Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two guys who are just a couple of hockey nerds, I guess. What's up, Chuck and Gene? Uh, hey, Dave. Hey, Gene. And damn, that is an apt description of me. Uh, we'll probably get into more in depth what that's a reference to. But I have missed out on like huge shit by watching hockey. You know, the rest of the world is watching the Survivor, like, season finale. I am watching a random hockey game. I I actually <laughs> missed out on a, oh, I want to say early season Eagles game because I was watching preseason hockey one time. I'm like, oh, come on, get it together. And they're like, Chuck, the Eagles are winning. I'm like, oh, no, I was talking about the Flyers. We're down, like, 3 nothing to Ottawa in a meaningless game. So um, I do I do relate to AV a little bit there. We'll get to how much I do or do not relate to him. My name is Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Philadelphia. And I'm Gene Zianak. You can find me at Producer Gene. And uh, I've been basically called nerd, like as in in total, my whole life. So being a hockey nerd could be would be something that I would probably just throw on the uh, throw in the old suitcase of nerddom. No need to no need to qualify which type of nerd you are. Nerd yeah, just, just covers just, it basically just, is what you're saying. Just nerd. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah. So you guys want to start by talking about the Flyers since we just watched Game Four, <laughs> or nah? You want to just skip that? Or, no, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, well, All right, the so Flyers... when the night starts, the night starts with some. Okay. Oscar Limblom uh, rumblings. Yeah. Some Oscar Limblom, you know, the, the, the Flyers tweet out like a really cryptic thing of, I guess not that cryptic, but if you don't know what Oscar Limblom looks like, and if you're not paying attention to the background, it's like what was like prepping to go or something. There's Limblom with the hood up and like prepping his stick and then his jerseys hanging in the locker. And all this talk of, is he going to go? Is he going to go? Will he really play tonight? And I never for a moment thought he was going to play until everyone's favorite hack beat writer, Sam Carcitti, <laughs> chimes in saying, oh, there's some talk. It, all indication is that he's going to play. Now, there is never any follow-up to that. Oscar Lindblom did not play. He just skated with the team for warm-ups. But it was great to see. I mean, I was happy to to see him out there. And, you know, yeah, I mean, hopefully it was good for him and good for the team or whatever. Yeah, and I mean, you think you're going to get – I don't know. Not not to focus on the wrong thing, but you think you're going to get an emotional lift out of this. And, you know, they were going to come out and really take it, take it to the aisles. Um, but I guess yeah, they- it didn't. It didn't quite happen, but I really do think this was the best game we've played this series, unfortunately. Um, we still lost, and we're down you know, 3-1 in the series. But next time we talk to you guys, it'll be a miracle if the Flyers are not eliminated. But they did play a better all-around game, but it didn't... It wasn't that... It wasn't that uh, Flyers versus Penguins in 2012, Giroux going, give me the first (laughs) shift, 
and they came out there and knocked Crosby on their ass and Crosby on his ass and scored a goal. It wasn't, um, what was it, game six against Montreal where the Flyers came out and said, yeah, we're, this game, this series is not going to seven. You know, Voracek came out, scored early, and was just dominant early. That was never the case in this game. So I do, I do feel you there. Well, but... maybe it's just the Islanders don't play a brand of hockey or a quote-unquote fringe legal system that allows <laughs> you to just, like, you can't will yourself to win against the Islanders. No. You, well, you, you can't will yourself to win against the Islanders. The way they're playing right now, they don't give you any breathing room. You know, how many penalties were called tonight? Two? One for well, the Flyers? They were offsetting? Well, there was the four and four, but I thought there was a power play as well. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was just the, the no. I think the Islanders four. definitely had a power play, and I think the Flyers yeah. did have one. Yeah. So I feel okay. So it was four penalties in total. There was the four and four. Flyers had one. The Islanders had one. And and after that, the the rest threw away their damn whistles. Well, it feels and... like they've 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 had their whistles in the in their pockets this entire series because uh, i felt yeah. like they they had the same problem in game three no i agree with you it's and and then part of that as the series goes on it becomes a bit of the flyers problem you have to know you know who's calling your game but there are points here uh i think it was i think it was in the third where the flyers set up in the islander zone and Voracek and Konechny get tackled. They get tackled. Like, they just get thrown to the ice. Nothing. Nothing is called. They're Islanders pinning the Flyers up against the board. You know? Yeah, well, I feel like obstruction is something that hockey announcers just aren't... I don't know. They're either not adept at identifying it, or it's just not something intriguing to point out. I mean, maybe it doesn't make good television. I, I don't know what yeah. it is. But, you know, if you know what it is and know what you're looking for, it, you know, it's happening all over the place in this series. Yeah. And I mean, you cannot island... block or pick a player in route to the puck that doesn't have the puck. Right. If you yourself are not making a play for the puck. So just, I mean, like, you know, watch for this in, in game five, but you're going to see it left and right. Now, who in, knows? Like, almost every may change in game five, and they may actually call a tighter game, but... Uh, maybe there's an interest in seeing this series extended, so they'll call a fairer game. But I don't know. But, I, I don't know. I don't really like crying a river over it. It's obvious the NHL hates the Flyers. They've they've hated them for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that I broke so quickly in that the NHL hates the Flyers diatribe. Go on. That's it's fine. Well, uh, <laughs> it's just my my calling my calling card mantra for the last you know twenty years. I've always said it, but I don't yeah. know. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it does feel that way. Well, and the other thing well, is, it's it's hard for the Flyers to suddenly go from actively not obstructing the opponent because it's something that they are penalized for to suddenly being like, oh, I guess it's cool to do this, so we should start doing it too. They're just not. Uh, built to suddenly become that team, you know what I mean? Like that's not the way they play defense. It's not their style of game. It's not the kind of thing that you can just unshackle and and flip the switch to to play that style. Yeah, 
And I have to give a lot of credit to Barry Trotz, not just for the style the Islanders have been playing all series and all postseason. Um, well, actually, the whole time they've been there. It's not just for that style. It's for how how well they played the game tonight. Yes, I do really think the Flyers were hands down the better team tonight because the the play was uh, a little more wide open than it has been with the obstruction, with the holding, with the you know slowing the game down. It was more wide open. And how did the Islanders win on this game? It was a couple broken plays, breakaway score in Elliott. You know, maybe one of those does not go in on Hart. You know, Elliot, and I am 100% in favor of Elliot oh starting tonight. What is tonight. happening right now? What is happening right now? What? Chuck, is there a chink in your Elliot armor? No. Uh, no, 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 no. Elliot's not the goalie you want for stopping breakaways. He's a gr- great backup goalie. He is a, you know, good if you need him to be your number one you know, breaking case of emergency number one, but he's not—he's not the dynamic goalie who's going to be stopping you know two on nothings. Um, Elliot had some great stops tonight, and I really thought you know I had said it in our our text message chat. I think I even maybe it said it online. Of you start Elliot to go hey guys we need to play that play a more tight defensive game we need to play whole team defense to protect our goalie the one who's not you know who's not carter hart who's not the future goalie for team canada and the flyers did that a little but it ended up with more wide open play and Elliot's deficiencies were shown on those last two goals. Now they would have been hard for hard to stop as well, but in the wide open play, getting a free look at Elliot is a lot different than getting a free look at Hart. Even that first goal, it that would have been hard for Hart to stop as well. It went to God Brock freaking Nelson uh, right there in the <laughs> slot. And yeah, he picked the corner, but had all day to do it. So this more wide open play that allowed the Flyers have a lot more chances. We had over 30 shots tonight. Um, The Flyers looked better. There was more consistent offensive pressure. But I wonder if it just sort of cut us the other way going, hey, we can be a little more loosey-goosey because if we get an opening, we might score on this guy. Whereas versus Hart, maybe they wouldn't. So are we basically saying we don't really need to change much for for the next game? I mean, we kind of have a good game plan in place. This is the best we can kind of hope for. I'm not saying that. Um, I mean, the the thing we mostly need is a time machine (laughs) to go back and try to make game one and game three more competitive. Um, Or do we need a time machine to go pick up uh, Claude Giroux from like – 2003 no 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 he was freaking he should have been the heart trophy winner what two years ago three years ago, i forget now but it's he has been a really good player he's been a really good player this even in this postseason he has he has assists he has set up some plays he has not put the 
the the puck in the net. He hasn't converted there. And I don't know if he's ever going to find his game this postseason. Well, now I don't think so. Now I think I think the Flyers make it to game six tops. So I don't think this is going seven. I think we're losing the series probably in game six. But it, he, he just never really found his game in the return to play. And there can be a lot of reasons for it, but I'm not pre- uh, prepared to write him off. Um, connect me too. Connect me never found the back of the net. Couturier, first goal tonight. There's a lot of people who haven't just clicked, and it could be the return to play. we got to also give a lot of credit to our opponents and being pains in the asses to play against. And, you know, guys, you know, forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but I think the, the tight-checking, low-offense, Grinded out kind of style is going to get up to speed a lot quicker than a talent rich style. I can't tell you how many times I thought, even tonight, which again, I was pretty happy with tonight's play shoot first, pass second. How many times have we seen it? It's like, why the fuck are you passing there? Like, why are you trying to thread the needle between two guys? You know, before the break, before the pause. Of course you do that pass. The Flyers are hitting on everything. Well, but I mean, is this the coaching issue? There. You know, this is a coaching issue. It's bad ice. Uh, you know, it's chewed up hey, ice every night. It's uh, throw out the bad ice. I don't care about the bad ice. I don't think it's a you know, it's it's a return to play. Claude Giroux can't find a can't find ice anywhere to practice. Uh, like you know, should we just be changing the style of the team um, for this, or it's just we just kind of got to let it happen to us? Well, I think it's if you want to fault anybody uh, of like who had the the power to change this, I think it is Elaine Vigneault. And but I'm not casting a lot of you know I'm not like saying any particular guy or people are bad guys in this, but Vigneault has the has the ability to go. We're playing a different game, you know, and we, we played it against Montreal. Of going, all right, you want to play a, a 2-1 or a one nothing game? We'll do that. Now, the Islanders are more talented than Montreal, and we just haven't been able to meet them at their level. They can play the let's grind it out for a low, a low opportunity game and capitalize on those opportunities where we haven't been. So I, I think it's boiling down to bad matchup. A couple of guys haven't sh- haven't showing up Giroux being one of eh, Giroux kind of being one of them uh, Couturier being one of them up until tonight to a lesser extent game three he had little moments there um JVR not showing up in game one and two showing up a bit in game three and four Lawton coming out hot and then disappearing it's just there's a lot I don't want to say everything that can go wrong has gone wrong because that's an overstatement but there's a lot of people not playing up to their capacity, and that is why the Flyers are down 3-1. And that it doesn't look like, well, it's 3-1, but it's a close 3-1. It doesn't look like close 3-1. It looks like the Islanders are going to walk their way to the Eastern Conference final. Uh, my question is, do you think that the biggest mistake the Flyers made was, was winning the round robin, was getting the number one seed? 
Um, do you think that that was bad for lining up the matchups the way they did as well as uh, not great for their their own, I guess, self-outlook? Did they, they get like an inflated ego to think that they were better than they are? Uh, you know, would it have been better had they come in closer to where they actually had performed over the course of the regular season? Well, they weren't – well, I I don't – think there was anything bad about winning the round robin um there were a handful of teams that really just looked like pains in the ass and we've played two of them the third one for me was uh carolina although i much would have much rather play carolina because hey it turns out they didn't have any goaltending you know if we were playing carolina right now the Flyers would probably be up three one. Well, when you're a heartbeat away from getting a Zamboni driver to uh, to ten goal for you, you don't have. To... <laughs> yeah, if you're, you know, your tandem is a couple career backups who had, you know, a couple hot weeks. Oh man, this is what it must have been like to play the Flyers for the longest time. <laughs> um, but with Peter Morazic and and Reimer. You know, they they turned and, and, back and one of those one of, one of those guys actually was a member of the Flyers during that that uh, Rolodex of goalies there that we had, we had run. Not the eight goalie season. Mrazek was not on the eight goalie season. I think it was he was on what the season seven goalie season. That, I think. I remember I think we was... we acquired him in a trade, and I was like, oh. we did. We come from Detroit for practically nothing. He looked good for one game, and that was it. Yeah. Um, but you know, we would have, we would have beat Carolina. Oh God. I wish we played the penguins or the capitals because we would have blown them out. It's, you know, our talent is as good as theirs right now. You know, they have the upper end. I mean, nobody is as good as Ovi or, or Crosby, but down the lineup, our talent's much better. And, you know, we play an aggressive four check game. So if we had played the Capitals, the Penguins, uh, the Rangers, um, Carolina, Columbus, probably uh, Toronto, not even probably Toronto, Toronto, it would be it would look a lot different. And I think this series would look a lot different if we didn't play Montreal last round, where it's like, who's this number twelve seed? Why are they giving the Flyers such a hard time? Well, the Montreal would have given anybody a hard time. And this Islanders team is going to give probably Tampa Bay a hard time. Yeah, I was going to so, say, like, project that out. So if by some miracle it's the Islanders and Tampa Bay in the Eastern Conference Finals, um, yeah, will the Islanders give Tampa Bay as much trouble as they're giving the Flyers? Or will Tampa Bay be able to sort of solve the almost, riddle here? It, Tampa Bay is a deeper team. Um they're they're better on paper than the Flyers. Tampa Bay is, except for the fact like their window is closing and our window is opening. Um, they're better on paper than the Flyers, but I think all the fits that the Flyers are seeing, Tampa could easily see. You know, so maybe this game the Islanders win four three in overtime as opposed to three two in regulation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I suspect that 
I mean, getting way ahead of ourselves. Neither of those teams have moved to the next round, but if I had to guess, I would probably give Tampa the slight edge, but I wouldn't put money on it. Um, I think the Islanders will give them just as many fits as they gave the Flyers, but Tampa probably has enough talent to squeak well, in one extra goal. And here's where I'm at with this. Like, you know, let's just, for the sake of argument, say that there's no miracle comebacks in the cards for in either of those series. But uh, listen up, NHL. I, I ain't watching the fucking Islanders in Tampa Bay. It's I'm not wa- I'm not watching this brand of hockey uh, if my team's not not a component in it. I will watch Dallas and and Vegas. Oh yeah, yeah. That shit's fun. Islanders, not fun. No, not fun at all. This has been a really rough series, not only because of the results, but it is not nearly as entertaining as it was to watch the Montreal series. Not that Montreal was so much more talented, but it just felt like a much more entertaining playoff hockey series. Like, I had a lot more fun watching even the losses in the Montreal series than I've had watching this game. Um and in, and game three, the last two games just to me have been, uh, they feel like the the sort of game where it's designed, you know, the the Islanders are trying to just slowly squeeze the air out of the balloon. They they just that is their goal is to just basically frustrate us into both mistakes and uh, both mentally and physically. Like that's that's just the way that they're the strategy is is working out, and it 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 kills me that the Flyers are are essentially playing into it. Uh, it kills me to see us get uh, out uh, double shot by a team that feels like is never even shooting. It, it, it floors me. Yeah. And it, 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 the Islanders just are better at shutting it down than Montreal was. I mean, they're both trying to do the same thing. There have been times in this Flyers-Islanders series where I see like hockey that reminds me of when the Flyers were playing at an elite level in the regular season. And I feel good and I felt comfortable. I'm like, we can do this. And then, oh man, if the Islanders got a two goal lead as opposed to a one goal lead or a one goal lead late in the game, it's just sort of going like, we're going to jam up the middle, try to come in, you know, and there hasn't been a lot of success tonight. Again, being a, a bit of the outlier, you know, I, I was hopeful we were going to tie it up with the goalie pulled. The Flyers produced a lot of pressure, got one empty net goal, came out again. And then what happened? The Islanders got the puck out of the boards, grabbed everybody, slowed everything down, you know, and just sapped the life out of the Flyers. So, yeah, the the next round, I'm really rooting for uh, Vancouver. If Vancouver can uh, can sneak by... Vegas, Vancouver, Dallas should be a hell of a lot of fun. But uh, Vegas, Dallas uh, would be equally fun. Tampa Bay Islanders would not be fun. I think the NHL would be like actively paying off the Islanders to take a dive <laughs> to get Tampa Bay into the uh, to the finals. Um, eh. Yeah, it's been disheartening. Not, I'm not ready to 
to throw the Flyers off the cliff and not to ready to go, oh, we need to gut the team and change things, like I'm seeing on Twitter, like the Flyers have no hope for the future. I'm like, no, nah, man, this is a bad matchup in a weird postseason. What more can you say? I'm not trying to excuse everything because there is blame to be to be had here, but it was it's a bad matchup in a weird postseason. Like, it, what, um, what the fuck are you going to do? Is, is the silver lining in all this, Chuck, that even if we go out by the end of the week, that we get hockey again in, like, eight weeks? <laughs> December Maybe. 1, right? December 1 is what they're calling for. I mean, who the hell knows what cold and flu season is going to bring? That That's less hockey, and that's more Cassandra in me. Oh, but, God, with but, the hoax. With the hoax, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, no, if they come back on December 1st, we'll be right back into it, but we'll see. It's it, that is one of the biggest kicks in the teeth. Matt, if this were if this were the normal season, the fires were fucking rolling. They were rolling. All the stuff that we were like dealing with. And I'm not talking about the winning the Stanley Cup. I'm talking about we would have won the one round, which we did. We probably would have won the second. Me getting past the Eastern Conference final, I have no idea. Like I said, that's always like I don't, that's a I whole don't know that we could do that. I don't know if we can go that far. That's a bridge too far for me. Well, but no, the to be like the, this would have shaken out differently. No, I, I'm fine with it. If you want to say no, it wouldn't have shaken out differently because we don't have enough information, that's fine. I'm more worried about the next season. Because why? If because if next season's all screwed up again, like it should have been a progression. It should have been, man, Flyers under AV year one, we accomplished X amount. Next year, we should expect to accomplish more. This season with whatever's going on, who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? It's going to be another season with a asterisk of, hey, we, we missed three weeks in the middle of the season and then another two and then two games or whatever. Well, I mean, the, the bigger All problem right. is you, you can't really, it's, it's impossible to, to predict next season because there can't be a regular season bubble. You can't just say the Eastern conference is going to be in Toronto and the Western conference is going to be in Edmonton and try to, you know, you can't even do it with, with the few teams as we have now, you know, what, what, whatever the base, if baseball can do it, the hockey can do it. Yeah. They're talking about divisional. They're talking about divisional bubbles. Um, but how how are you gonna do it? And then what? Oh, you play the division a hundred times in the season? No, no, no. You travel to the other bubble. So like a team travels to the bubble, plays all the teams there. Then they're gonna be they get like a month break, and then they gotta go rebubble. This uh, it's crazy. Baseball's doing it. <laughs> Sorry, I I agree that baseball is doing it, but nobody should say like baseball is the shining example of doing it well. They haven't played the same games. What the A's have COVID now? Correct. Who's the current what? team? One guy, you know, in a in a week, it's gonna be like it's gone. Like it never, like a miracle happened. <laughs> All right, Chuck. Let me ask you. Let me ask you some. Um. A different, a different type of uh, line of questioning here. Okay. Um, question one: What do you believe the impact of not having gritty with the team is? Um, realistically, I think it makes a very minor impact. 
Um, but uh, I, I do think, you know, just like you have Kevin Hayes there as this, you know, clown in the locker room that really has, you know, they, they talk about a change in the locker room this season. Kevin Hayes is part of it. And I'm not going to lie, I think Gritty is a part of it too. So I think if you have Gritty there and you have this maniacal Muppet, you know, cheering you on, you have to go, you know, you can only feel so down when you have Gritty in your corner. Like, so I, I don't know, like if you, you guys were around me during the Eagles Super Bowl run. And when we got to the Super Bowl, I was very much in the camp of imploring everybody in the city to, to try to somehow send the Eagles whatever power or energy they could possibly send you know through the airwaves or through through the cosmos or whatever i believe in that stuff and i believe gritty has a little bit of that he's kind of like a lightning rod of of positivity and chaos (laughs) yes well i think we did conjecture like you know uh he is a old god a uh (laughs) you know (laughs) him and Cthulhu are hanging out on that new HBO show. So I, I think, I think, um, I think there's something to it. You know, okay. on a scale of 10, I think, I think gritty gives us a four. Okay. All right. Well, fair enough. Uh, so, well then while we're on the subject, please, you know, if you're listening to this, you know, you're the greater Philadelphia area, like please send as much energy to the flyers for what, when's the next game? Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday? Yep, Tuesday. All right, let's get it. All right, so question two. Um, If you are going to have a martini before watching 20 hours of film, how many olives do you put into your martini? Oh, Now, is it a gin martini, or I hear a scandalous rumor that AV drinks his with vodka? Because it, there's, I don't know two, what to say to that. I, there's it, two very different answers for me. I cannot believe that AV drinks a vodka martini. Yeah, we're going to say that the Flyers marketing appropriate. team, the Flyers marketing team, screwed up. Um, I would say um, two cocktail onions or one twist. Oh, yeah. Okay, you know, you're eschewing the olives. Yeah, I mean, if I'm doing olives, I want three cocktail olives, not okay. the big like That's freaking right. Kalamata olives or whatever. Oh, the I like the big one. Well, then I only want one. Then I only want one, and don't stuff it with shit. If I want stuffed olives, I'm gonna have it outside of my gym. But uh, <laughs> Fair personally, no, no blue cheese olive for you. Uh, in the, not in, in my the... drink. Ooh. I don't yeah, know. I mean, the... deep fry the olives. Yeah. No, honestly, if if I'm gonna order a martini. Um, which I've, um, it's frowned upon for me to order martinis, <laughs> um, but, um, I would go with a, either a twist, which is my preferred way or, um, or cocktail onions. If I'm it is, feeling, uh, it, it is, fr- it is frowned upon, uh, for me by my wife to order my fourth martini. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll have one martini. That's uh, well, of course, it's once you, once you pop, you just can't stop. Um, right, well, I have to go back to Gene. What's in your martini? Uh, probably just one olive. That's I. I. It's you know usually whenever I've had them, it's it's just been like a 
a single olive gin martini. And Dave, you're going for the single big olive. No, no, no. I go three olives. No matter what size the olive is, it's three olives because uh, you have to have an odd number of olives. And I feel like one is not enough. Three is like a meal. Uh, but I'm going to I, I look, I overindulge. So I'm going to go with the three <laughs> olives. A gin soaked olive is one of the most delicious things on the planet. It really is. And uh, the way I do it is it, it's drink all of the, the martini and then eat the olive. That's that's how I do uh, it. I ratio it down. I try to keep my olives just below gin level. And, all right. We're getting, all right. Question number three. If, <laughs> if Claude Giroux were abducted by aliens, uh, who would be the captain uh, for game five? and then and then follow-up question would that be the same person who would be captain next season or would you switch it up okay i'll answer the follow-up question first the captain next season would be ivan provorov wow okay yeah he's he's just gonna be and he already kind of is the rock on which you you know build your church you know ivan provorov is going to be the foundation of this potentially great defense for years to come so he's the kind of guy you give the c to for next game one game only i'd give it to kevin hayes yeah that's what i was feeling yeah like um not for you know for the rest of this playoffs drew disappears kevin hayes gets to say interesting Gene, what are your thoughts on that? I would have said I would have said Couturier, but um, he I, was it would have been second a second choice for both of them. Yeah, but. it was it was a center in. Uh, yeah. you know, I was thinking your your one C, but Kevin Hayes, I think, is a great choice. He certainly has uh, more than any other free agent pickup in the last four or five years that I can think of has really had a major positive influence both on the ice and and in the locker room. So I think he's a good choice. I think people would rally around him. Um, you know, I think it's an easy choice just to look to your first line center and say that's that's the guy. Uh, I think it's interesting that Chuck says Provorov. Uh, I think that that's um, you know I always like teams that do put the C on defensemen. I think that that's sort of a bold statement as to the identity of your squad if your if your captain is a defenseman. And right. I I'll touch on this briefly. Um, the Flyers would probably never do that. The Flyers, as much as we want to think of them as a, we're going to shut you down. We're we are the Flyers were never the big bad Bruins. The Flyers were never defensive first. The Flyers have always been offensive first. So, as much as I'd say Provorov would be a wonderful captain, and I really think he would be. The Flyers would probably go with Couturier on a short run. Go Hayes because he has been damn productive and that that humor that leadership is great for a short run i'd hate to see it for a long run i'd hate to see it for you know i'd hate to see it you know three years down the line and all of hayes's cute nicknames have run out (laughs) you know and he's been more of a you know third line center which Probably will eventually be his fate on this team, but this year, right now, yeah, give it to Hayes. 
next year give Jesus maybe, but Provorov would be the guy I put it on. All right, let's get into this. Let's get into this Elaine Vino situation. It's kind of got. Well, I mean, uh, people, do we do we do we want to talk about it in a in a bigger sense, or do we want to like kind of boil it down to the most we Philly can, I mean, Philly part of it? We can, I, we can, and I, and I guess we sort of will. But you know, Elaine Vino was asked about the protests that the NBA players were taking part in. Um, you know, in relation to what's going on in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And he basically said, I don't know anything about it. Uh, I, I'm in a hockey bubble right now. I'm watching 20 hours of film a day. Uh, I'm trying to get this team ready to win. I don't know what's going on with it. A- a- end of end of statement. So now it's Elaine Vigneault, famed racist. I, yeah. I, I guess my question is, what is the what way could is there any way in which he could have answered that question that it would have been correct? Like, I I mean, like literally, the only thing I could think of would be, I mean, even if he says no comment, it doesn't that uh, seem <laughs> to can't say no comment. Doesn't that, that <laughs> but but I mean, like to a certain degree, it's it's like the guy was 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 hamstrung. You know what I mean? He. he well, if he legitimately did not know what was going on, which probably is true, um, he could have said, I don't know what's going on. What's going on? And they would have said, well, the reporter would have said, well, they're, you know, they're, uh, they're protesting uh, systemic racism and they're not playing the game side. They walked off the court. Like, oh, well, then, you know, I, I and then he said, say what he's been saying. I, you, know, I, you know, I support equality. Uh, you know, we're all interested in that. We'll do whatever it takes to, to get to that, you know, and all those talking points that we've heard since then. I right. think that probably would have been fine. I don't know. Yeah. It, well, here's my thing with the everything just related to AV, all nuance has been thrown out. <laughs> you know, it's, I firmly believe he didn't have enough information to form a strong opinion. Did he really not hear of it? Maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't. If or, you or, are... or heard about it like in passing, you know what I mean? Like probably had no idea about like the specifics of that situation. Yeah. It's because if you hear something in passing, you might not, recognize the resonance of it you know of if you don't if you hear you know what we first thought we were all hearing milwaukee bucks are forfeiting a game in in protest for what's going on in wisconsin you go wow that's a big story if you hear the nba isn't playing tonight tonight for racial justice Without the other details, you go, okay, was this a scheduled thing? You know, is A.V. even a basketball fan? You know, it's just he's in his little bubble and goes, oh, that's interesting. And, you know, and probably moved on. And I do fully believe that. You know, so anyone who painted him as, you know, not caring. Actually, I'll revisit that as not caring. He, he, He sounded like he was not caring. You know, but it wasn't not caring about black people. It wasn't not caring about black lives. Was it something he wasn't prioritizing? Yes. Yes, it was. You know, if you want to go like, hey, dude, you're living in the United States, even though he's currently in Canada and he's French Canadian. 
if you go, hey, you're residing in the United States full time, this is something that should be more on your radar. I think that's fair. But I I don't think it was. I mean, I think he knew of it, heard something about it, and disregarded it to go back to studying film. It's the reason we brought him in here. Then the Marcus Hayes column comes out. And like everything Marcus Hayes does, I go, well, that's a bit much. You know, <laughs> like I think there's a kernel of truth in there. And, you know, I don't want to be the white guy dismissing someone, a person of color's opinion. But even like, if you go to like the last two paragraphs of it, it's like, well, Elaine Vigneault could have said this and this. And everyone would go, that's a legitimate point. But, you know, the way he coaches his players, he should coach himself. And I'm like, well, that's a kernel of, like, like reason amongst some really bombastic stuff. You know, mm-hmm. A.V. came out and then apologized, kind of. It was a bit of a weak apology about not knowing what was going on. And I think the thing that stood out to me most was how guarded it was. You know, Elaine Vino, especially in the regular season, he's he's been a bit of a different cat in the postseason, but he likes to talk to people. He likes to say, hey, you know, talk to the reporter by name. Go, this is what I'm thinking, this is what's going on. Well, he seemed pretty he seemed pretty hurt to me. He did. By by the whole thing. He did. And that becomes part of the criticism as well, is like well, you know, again, that's where nuance comes in. Right, right. Like, yes, you hurt, but think of all these other people. Granted, and- yes, people are hurting more, but it, it was, I don't know, it, it, it seemed just like ignorance. So like while, not- while, you know, while we're on the topic of talking about like, <laughs> hey, how should you react to this if you are, you know, if – your genuine reaction isn't a pro- how you know everyone wants you to react. I will say that I think the NBA, the NHL, and MLB all handled it wrong. Okay, yes, I agree. I think this is um I know Gene and I were texting back and forth and we're on the same page about this, but I think I I think the let's all pile on to to amplify the message had the exact opposite effect of what it should have. Is that similar to what you were thinking, Dave? Or yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think that the 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 organizations themselves counterfeited the protest of the mil specifically specifically the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee what? Bucks were the 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 one the most uh, i don't know what the epicenter of where this originated where it should have originated and let the Milwaukee Bucks have their moment like let them do it like just let them yeah. do the thing that this, that's what they wanted to do they wanted to forfeit a playoff game yeah. forfeit a playoff game like just think about that like the magnitude of that and the NBA basically said, no, we're not going to let you do that. Yeah. And it's, and they wanted to forfeit a playoff game for a very specific reason. And it, 
it was so dramatic. I think it was it was while the Flyers game was going on. And yeah, it happened the like Flyers between the second losing. and third period of that of game two. Yeah, the Flyers were losing, and it popped on all of our radar to go, "Whoa, this is something to talk about." And it's it it's a point of pain. That's what they talk about. Protests. Protests aren't supposed to be pleasant. They're supposed to be uncomfortable. That's how you get things done. The the Milwaukee Bucks said. And, you know, let's, let's like, not beat around the bush here. The NBA is, you know, majority black players. By far the most of any professional sports league. These are wealthy African-American men, men with power. And one of their huge power moves is going to go, we're not going to play your game. You know, hey, Hey, uh, Wisconsin Police Department, you want to go go Bucks? Well, guess what? We're not going to play. We will call, we will forfeit a game because we don't like the way you're acting. That is incredibly powerful. And in the time where they weren't on the court, they were calling the Attorney General of Wisconsin. And there are other things going on as well. And I wish I knew them better. And that's going to take me to the next point. The reason I don't know them better is because the talking point became, we stand against racism. You know, the NHL was the last to get on board. And I don't want to go into my, because that's a whole, but it's we're not, going to do another more. It, it, but but no, it, it's, it's not because, it's not because the NHL is not. Oh, for, I agree. You, you know, it's I just agree. like, this doesn't have anything to do with us right now. Yeah, and the but the more it becomes a competition, the more it becomes. I can't believe the NHL didn't join up, right. and now now all of the NBA did, and most of Major League Baseball did, and we we are standing up. You know, down goes Brown, who's been a guest on the show, who I respect so much as a voice in hockey, a really sensible voice. On the most recent episode of Puck Soup, you know, was talking about this matter and said it was at like ten fifty nine of the episode. I took a note. It's like the NBA did all of this to call attention to racism. If that's not the most watered down, you know, feckless sentiment, I don't know what is. Like the NBA stopped play and so did the NHL and MLB for two days to say we don't like racism. Well, no fucking shit. You know, like that, that doesn't. That doesn't carry a lot of weight. It became so nebulous that you don't know why they're stopping. They don't know why they're stopping. And it's just kind of like, well, this is a minor inconvenience. As opposed to when the Bucks did it, they were forfeiting a game. They were going to cause pain to the people that caused them pain. They had talking points. They had an agenda. If the Bucks said, hey, we are calling on as many teams not to play until we play, that's disruptive. That's something. But if it's everyone agreeing, we're not going to play for two days. You know, it, it's an analogy. Again, I use while texting. It's like Martin Luther King Day. Martin Luther King Jr. Day should be an important day. And I hope for you and your family and the people listening, and I hope for myself that it is. And I hope that you use it as an opportunity to talk to your kids, talk to your family. But let's be freaking honest. Most people use it as a day off. And because it's so ubiquitous, because it's out there and it's we all celebrate Martin Luther King Day and we 
all take a time to, to, to celebrate this one day, the water, the message gets watered down and it becomes just another day and go, why? Hey mom, Hey dad, why, why don't I have to go to school today? Uh, because Martin Luther King, he's a really nice guy. And he said, don't be mean to each other. And that that's a bit overplaying it, but I really don't think it's that much. And I think that's exactly what happened when the Bucks made a really powerful statement and then it was watered down by every single league that jumped on board and, and contributed to it. So do do you think it was a matter of that when Orlando got word that um, Milwaukee wasn't going to play against them that night, that the players sort of said, well, we don't, we don't want to win a game this way, um, you know, or win a series this way. So we will also forfeit. And then that sort of started, um, a chain reaction that ends up going league-wide. And I guess when you have a league shut down, the other leagues are like, well, I get, you know what I mean? Like, do you think, that, or do you think that this was one of those things where the owners were like, well, we're going to have to sort of, uh, we have to damage control what's happening. We can't allow one of our teams to sort of set the precedent that they can just take the message, take control of the message um, that we as a league are sort of putting out. Um, because I feel like that, that those are sort of two different things. If it's sort of an organic sort of picking up the the, the message, that's that's different. And, and if, if it is the league saying, like, we can't allow you to forfeit a game for um, political reasons, that is a league being like, we aren't, we aren't going to allow you to lose, to take this platform I- away from us. I agree. You know, yeah, I, I think I think it's more the league is saying you're we're not going to let that happen, and to make a to make a counter move. Now, if the Bucks said, okay, well then we're not going to play that game either. Yeah, you if, know, the, that, if the Bucks are like, we're just done. Well, where does it end? Yeah, yeah. If the Bucks say, well, we're just done. You know, eventually the players will win. Right. Yeah. Right. And but but the thing is, you know, do you feel that that was? That the Bucks basically, in order for them to get their point across, that it was it became incumbent on them to essentially say we are not going to continue. I mean, and it, that's an impossible situation to put. You know, it's not like the I think Buc- the Bucks could most definitely say we are not going to play until you allow us to forfeit a game. Right, and 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 maybe that was something that was discussed. But I, what I think is what I think is a hard thing is to to look at either the other teams or even look at the Bucks and be like. It becomes incumbent on you to give up what you have worked your whole life for to make a political point. Um, I think that the Bucks wanting to do it initially showed such guts and such, you know, balls to kind of say, hey, we're willing to do this. And then for the leagues to to sort of mandate to a certain degree um, that that they were going to follow suit, it. It seemed to me to be a we need to. It, it seemed to me like damage control. I guess I've, I've, I've maybe I'm cynical, but I've, I've, I've watched enough things happen in the world to sort of understand, you know, if you aren't going to allow someone to do something that would you would consider reckless, um, you know, that you don't want the conversation to change, uh, you know, that is that is something that we call spin control. You know, the NBA now was able to adjust the conversation to be a hell of a lot about 
people tweeting when those games were going to be made up and not the Bucks are having a press conference uh, as a group and this is the questions that they're answering. You know what I mean? Like when you start going through the Twitter feed and initially it's the Bucks have walked off the court. Um, this is a major story. And it, within a couple of hours, it was, well, these games will be made up on Friday. You know what I mean? Like, then it becomes it becomes scheduling. It becomes uh, administrative. It becomes bullshit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and, that's, and that was the thing that was and, – and the way the news cycle works here so fast, um, you know, these reporters, they were just looking for the next story. And the next story, instead of it being, we don't know when the Milwaukee Bucks may play again, and we need to listen to what they're saying, <laughs> the story well, became – the NBA is rescheduling for two days from now. Well, let me ask this then. Let me ask this. Did the do you think the let's get really cynical and say, did the Bucks know that this was how the dominoes were gonna fall? Because think about this. Let's say they take the court against against the magic and the 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 tip off happens and every buck player takes a knee. And magic that players would... are just going to do a layup, you know, and no one knows yeah. what the hell's going on. How powerful would that have been? Well, I mean, like you have Orlando score two points and then both teams walk off and the game ends 2-0. And you, I, you have your – like what would they have done? At that point, I don't think there's anything you could have done. Uh, I guess maybe to your point is are you saying do, do we think that the NBA essentially called Milwaukee's buff, bluff? Uh, well, yes. They, you know what I mean? Did well, Milwaukee kind of say we're going to forfeit – uh, unless you shut the league down, basically. Uh, I think Milwaukee. I think that my my was take going is, to go through with a forfeit. Mm-hmm. If it and happened. I think they would take I think the there was L. A part of them that wanted to announce it in advance, knowing that the league would probably just go. Let's adjust schedules. Although I honestly think that Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Bucks were absolutely willing to yes, take the I loss agree. in the series and they would have been and they would have come out and they, they would have taken the time that they would have had they i think they would have had a press conference i think they would have come out probably with one or two of the players taking the lead they would have done a press conference answered all kinds of questions about the situation that's happening in in milwaukee and then they would have played the next game and yeah, probably. i mean and I, I agree i mean the the thing with the bucks it almost kind of you know, to to go for a little more flippant commentary reminds me of you ever try to buy somebody a drink or buy dinner, you know, go like, hey, hey, hey I got this round. And people go, oh, that's a nice gesture. And then the next person goes, no, no, I got this round, too. All right. So now all you're doing is everyone's buying various rounds like you don't even know what the tab is. You tried to do something nice. Now you might be in the hole. I feel like that's what like the Bucks did. They said you know what, we're standing up, we got this round. And then the NBA was like, oh, we got the next round. Oh, okay, that kind of undercuts what I was hoping to do. And then, like, MLB, MLS, NHL was like, we got the next rounds. The Bucks are like, all right, now I have, like, five free drinks in front of me. <laughs> like, you know, I came out ahead on this. But it's, yeah, I feel like the uh, the initial momentum got away from them. All right. Well, Chuck, uh, why don't you buy us a round? In Chuck's penalty box. That was not part of the contract. I will not be <laughs> buying you around. You are welcome to whatever I have in my fridge. And Gene, Gene, you are first this evening. Uh, who is in your penalty box, or what would you like to drink out of my fridge? 
Well, uh, I'm guessing you've probably got some OJ or purple stuff. So, uh, Sunny D. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of which, uh, I think I'm going to put. Um, I think I'm going to put. I was going to put in the NCAA, but I feel like that sort of, uh, sort of a a well-tread um, problem. But maybe what I really want to put in is video game manufacturers or, or sports video games in general. Um, once again, folks, I don't know if you're aware of this. It's Madden season. The new Madden game has just come out, and um, the thing that maybe that that both thrills me and excites me is is you know more i mean certainly when i was um in my 20s was every year getting the roster updates for uh for your new madden game and being able to play with um you know the th- that year's version of the eagles and uh you know in 0506 it was really exciting because you know you've got a team that you know was making a super bowl run but as as i got a little older and maybe a little bit more uh, more of a tight wad. Let's be honest. Um, it became less <laughs> and less interesting to me to pick up essentially the same game with a couple of uh, uh, you know, a new guy with a with a jersey. Um, you know, and and being that I'm convinced that EA hates the Eagles as well. Uh, underwhelming uh, attributes for my players. So, um, I often do not buy as I once did the the new versions of video games, but. Uh, it doesn't stop me from getting excited to watch um, YouTubers and other uh, media people review the new Madden game. And there is nothing uh, that that will make you hate your life more than reading how much every August people suddenly love the previous year's Madden game. Because without <laughs> fail... Uh, the current game that you are playing is always going to be shittier than the one you played last year, no matter how shitty that one was the previous August. Um, I have it has been such a long time since uh, you know a late August has come around and I've seen somebody be like, finally, we have got the next great version of Madden. I'm so excited for all the great new features and da 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 No, it's always, well, they fucked up again, and this one's just as shitty as last year's was shitty, but these are the same people, because at this point I've been reading them and watching them on YouTube now for near on a decade, that the August before they were saying the exact same thing. And honestly, I finally come to the point where it was like, if, if, if you hate either the game or your life so much, now is the time. Make, make Madden 2022 be the year you don't fucking buy the new Madden game. That's going to be my new hashtag. If you hate it that much, f- play 2021 for two years. You... You can do it. You can make it happen this year. You can send that message. Your $60 is going to be the thing that finally convinces them to change and do something other than just add the rookies to the rosters. I promise you, EA will be listening, Joe the Madden guy on YouTube. Um, But hey, you know what, though? Your Twitch followers, they want to see you playing that shiny new toy. And that's why you do it. And honestly, they probably really want to hear you bitch about how much you hate uh, how your team's um, new players are ranked or rated. Hell, even it has come to a point where if you watch Hard Knocks on HBO, they send EA out 
like to talk to the players at training camp? Probably not now because we're in a pandemic and we can't let the Canadians come into the country. Um, but they send them out to ask the players what their opinion is of their rankings. Well, uh, spoiler alert, they never fucking like not being 99s. <laughs> Even if you're asking like Johnny the fucking punter, uh, hey, uh, what do you think of your ranking? You're a 72. Well, what do you think he's going to say? Yeah, that seems about right. I'm a C minus. No, that's not <laughs> that's not gonna happen. <laughs> so, I I demand that I don't even know who I want to penalize. I put you. Uh, sports YouTube and sports uh, video game writers, I put you in the penalty box. And I'm going to leave it up to Chuck to decide how long you're in there. But I want you to take this time and really consider some new features to add to the game. All right. Well, there's a flag on the field. Um, revisionist history on the offense is a 15-yard penalty 20 minutes to think about maybe the pass is not always better and a loss of down. Sorry, I messed up the cadence there for you, Dave. I went for a football vibe as opposed to a hockey vibe. So who who is in your penalty box this evening? I got to say, Gene, I was, I was a little worried at the start of your penalty box, but I got to say it was probably one of your best – your best yeah, he, to date. I really enjoyed that one. They, they, I agree. You nailed it. They, they all they all talk about and they like it's not even the they don't even think Madden was the best football game ever. They all think it was like game day, two thousand five. Like it's like seriously, Tech I played the Super Bowl. I played that game day two thousand. I literally have like NBA two K like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, yeah. eighteen, nineteen, yeah. twenty. Yeah, we all do it. Uh, all right. So for my penalty box, um. I'm going to put Sylvester Stallone in the penalty box. Um, so if you guys have uh, have heard, uh, we're, he's releasing a director's cut for Rocky IV. Um, there was maybe some things uh, that in the final edit that Sylvester Stallone wasn't too happy with, and he has a, a new vision in mind uh, for, for Rocky IV. I, I don't know what how much more of this story there's left to tell, um, but we do know that we will not be hearing any more uh, about Paulie's sex robot <laughs> or, or their or their relationship, uh, you know, in or out of the bedroom. Uh, either way, uh, Sly does not like uh, the robot, and it's going to the junk heap. He says it's not; it will not be included in the director's cut. So, um. This may be the first time in in cinematic history that the director's cut is a shorter film than the actual cinematic release. Uh, You know, the movie's only an hour and a half long. uh, And if you take out the sex robot scenes, (laughs) I I don't know. Do you think that's the only thing he doesn't like? He's like, "Uh, if we could just take out the sex robot, then I'd have a perfect film. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> maybe if you sex robot ain't so good and so bad i'm not sure but you know what i, I mean the paulie's robot is awful like that there's no denying that the robot is awful the humor around the robot is terrible uh but when you when you live with this robot for so long in this movie that you watch 
you know, probably twice a year uh, when you're sick. Um, <laughs> you you sort of grow attached to it. And now I, I, I can't imagine the movie without it. Happy birthday, Paulie. <laughs> <laughs> but I love you. Um, so for that, I'm putting Sylvester Stallone in the penalty box. All right. So for Sylvester Stallone and his uh, shaming of sex work in automatons, <laughs> um, you're getting a, a 10 minute game misconduct. In 1985, there were sex robots. Damn it. Don't lie to our children this way. Uh, 10 minute game misconduct for sex shaming sex bots. <laughs> But but seriously, like of all the times you've watched Rocky Four, which I've told you this before, my brother watched it so much he honestly thought that he could speak Russian and would mimic <laughs> lines from Rocky Four at dinner at my father, and my father would say, "What are you talking about?" And my brother would say, "I just said I wanted macaroni and cheese in Russian," which. Uh, a, he couldn't read, so how did he know what the hell the Russians were talking about? And B, they don't talk about macaroni and cheese in Russian in Rocky Four. But my brother really thought that just saying a bunch of garbled phrases meant I'm speaking Russian. So I've seen this movie a lot in my life, and at no point ever have I been like, you know what? <sighs> if they could just get rid of the robot. No. Like, honestly, I don't think that there is a frame... That's not exactly where it's supposed to be in that movie. From the robot to the to the st heavy, heavy steroid use to the to the mountain climbing to um, the Soviet premiere and all of that swelling montage music. Like every single note <laughs> is perfect. So Sly, don't fucking touch it. If you want to have a director's cut, how about we just cut Rocky Five entirely? Just gone. It goes four, six, boom. Chuck, who's in your penalty box? A really awkward transition because I had several candidates. None of them have to do with sex robots. Um, so I'll I'll stick with the one that has to do with film. Um, we lost Chadwick Boseman over the weekend, uh, 43 colon cancer that he apparently had been battling for four years. Um, the guy was a hell of an actor. I feel like really just coming into his own. Uh, if, if you were anything like me, you barely recognized him from role to role. You know, look at a still photo of 42. The look at, look at a still photo of, um, Marshall or the get on up film where he's playing uh, James Brown. And it's it's Chadwick Boseman, same dude in Black Panther. But if you actually watch the performance, he radiates such a different energy. It's it's remarkable. And this guy, relatively young, you know, just right around the same age as everyone talking to you today. Played some icons of black history and brought Black Panther to life. And this was, you know. I read comic books growing up. The character of Black Panther was rather forgettable. I mean, at least for me, it was just a guy. I, I knew a bit of, about his deal. And, you know, when the character first appeared in Civil War, he stole the screen. He stole the movie. 
And that was pretty tough, especially with Spider-Man being in it. And uh, the Black Panther film is iconic. I mean, it, it's, it is a, a touchstone for, for all of pop, pop culture. And I can't speak to it personally, but I know uh, for, for Black people across the world, it it's, has special meaning to them. You know, I, I tell the story, um, my son, I think it was a year before last, so uh, 2018, he wanted to be Black Panther for Halloween, and a um, 70-something-year-old Black woman came up to us as I'm buying the costume, um, going, I think it's amazing that your son wants to be the Black Panther. And for my my son, that had nothing to do with race. It was just, this is a cool superhero. And that was the moral of it. And you may be wondering where the penalty box comes in. And this is where it does. I've seen several photos of people showing their children. Their children who are like under 10, like eight years old and under, having like a funeral for Black Panther with their action figures. They they don't need to do that. Like, you don't need to take a photo of that. If if the kid's older and recognizes who Chadwick Boseman was and his relationship to Black Panther, yes, celebrate that, record that. That's fine. But for God's sake, don't tell your kids that Black Panther died. My son saw him on the news and went, who's that? And I go, oh, that's an actor. He was in the Black Panther movie. I did not go... Son, I hate to break it to you. Sit down. Black Panther is dead. Like, no, that there is a a cultural impact that that exceeds the man who he is part of this story. But for the love of God, don't use your children to to celebrate this actor. Let them have their innocence. Let them have Black Panther as a character that's not going to die. Let them find out when they're older that this person who personified the Black Panther amongst many other characters, Chadwick Boseman was a really phenomenal actor. Let them find out later that he's passed away. Right now, let them be kids. Let them have their superheroes. Let them have their comic strips. So for people who are ruining just a little bit of childhood through good intentions, you're getting a two-minute penalty let kids be kids. Black Panther will never die. Wakanda forever. I'm like off with the the whistle today. Just a little <laughs> penalty there, Chuck. Huh? I usually go with a heavy, uh, well, heavy it's, penalty, but it's like a soft one for you. Well, I mean, it it deserved it. it it's people's hearts are in the right places, but let kids be kids. You want to celebrate a great actor? You want to celebrate from, by all accounts, a great man? That's fine. Let your kids be kids. Let them have Black Panther, and they can find out later who uh, who Chadwick Boseman was. Fair enough. Okay, that's all the time we have for today. We uh, sadly were not able to get to the the Phillies who were were streaking until tonight. We're going streaking. Who uh, just fell short of their uh, ten run comeback bid uh this evening but still uh in a great position for a playoff push 
Um, and, you know, we have to touch on the Eagles with some some injuries and some interesting Jake Peters conversation. I mean, the Eagles starting in two weeks. Two weeks. This is two the, weeks till football. We are in a weird, <laughs> a weird no preseason world. And honestly, I love it. I hate preseason. Yeah, I don't football. know what the hell. What the hell is football going to look like? I don't. I don't. I'm like more hot mess. Yeah, I can't wait. It's be like Gene, go long. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's a play. Ah, hell, I don't know. Just go out. Everybody run. You. Yeah, everybody go streak. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we'll be back uh, next Monday. Hopefully the Flyers will still be playing. It'll be fun. Uh, we'll have a preview for the, that week's Eagles game and, you know, more more Phillies talk. So uh, it'll be good. Uh, and until then, if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, also, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Potadelphia. If you have any more time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out the Whip Around for all the week's weird news. Um, and until uh, we speak again, have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here.